Hi, this is Dad Stories, and I'm your dad, Tom Noodla. Hi, Dad. I am Eden Noodla, and this is a multi-generational podcast where we tell each other stories from our childhood. So even I'm an older guy, I, I try to stay abreast of social media and follow some of the more emotional conversations amongst my peers. And one of the consistent topics uh, are kids these days, which can contain more negative comments about today's kids than positive. The posts contain a lot of comparison about how things were when we were kids. I thought it would be kind of interesting if we were to compare and contrast how I remember growing up versus how you grew up. Maybe we can highlight some similarities, some differences. At a minimum, I suspect I'll learn some things about you that I didn't know before, and perhaps you will too. So I've written some stories about my youth uh, that I'd like to share with you, and maybe you can share some of your stories with me, and, and we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, I was really interested when you brought me this idea, um, and I'm excited to see what you have to to tell me. What what stories did you bring me today? Well, I was going to talk about model rockets. Okay, cool. There was a period of time when I was a kid where I really was into model rocketry, and it was around the time I was in fifth or sixth grade. I got turned on to model rockets by my cousins. They lived in the Chicago area, and one time we'd gone to visit them, and they had gotten into model rocketry, my older cousin had, and so when we went to visit them, they were shooting model rockets off in the front yard, and it didn't take but one launch, and I was like, I want to do this. And so they showed me a lot about how to do it and what I needed to get and everything else. And they even gave me a couple of um, of their old rockets to take home with me as a to get started. Uh, I needed some more things, so I needed to buy a launch pad, and um, I needed to get some rocket engines. And you know that was that was kind of hard for me because that meant I was going to have to save some money and order it, mail order, and that kind of stuff. So I got my friend Earl interested in it and you know and so he could get some things I could get some things we could pool our resources we started to do that and it was kind of interesting because uh in those days what you had to do was you had a mail order catalog and we had a model rocketry mail order catalog and we you know found the things we needed to get including this launch pad and some engines we put our order together and then we saved enough money to buy it and and we gave the money to Nana to my mom who wrote a, wrote the check and we filled out the order form, and we mailed the order away. And like six to eight weeks later, you know, almost two months later, we got our order. And so we had, you know, the equipment we needed to launch, except uh, for actually igniting the engine. Now, these engines uh, look like they're about the size of a pack of pennies. Uh, and at the bottom of one end, the end was blocked by a little clay uh, disc. And in the middle of the disc was a small hole that that went into the propulsion material, you know, the kind of the explosive stuff. Real model rocketry people, you know, had an electric uh, ignition launch, you know, cable with batteries, and they could stand safely away and plug it in, and the battery would heat it up, and it would launch, and everything would be okay. But uh, that cost money, uh, and it wasn't really where we wanted to spend our money on this hobby. So my cousins had taught us... Um, kind of a shortcut where instead of using this electronic ignition capability, you used, we used fuse material, like uh, the same kind of thing you would do to light um, a firecracker off with. And you could buy the fuse material for, you know, like a buck. You could get a foot or maybe maybe a couple feet worth of these fuse material at a hardware store, 
and you'd cut off like a half an inch and then you would put one end just lightly into the hole and then you would light it and run away and uh and by the time the fuse got into the engine then it would light the engine and it would launch so you know we had to get some fuse cord and uh fortunately you know we had some money we gave to to my dad to papa and he went to the hardware store and bought us some fuse material so we were in business and we we were launching rockets and and we had a lot of fun with it and 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 as we did that um we got even more interested in it. And so we actually started to, to design and build our own rockets. And, and really what it boiled down to is you had the, the rocket tube, which was really car, a cardboard tube. I mean, think toilet paper tube, only you know not quite the size diameter and a little bit longer. And then balsa wood that we would cut in the shape of a rocket fin and a, and a balsa wood uh, nose cone. And then inside, you could either have a parachute so once it reached its height, it would a parachute would come out, or you could have a crepe paper streamer, which would also slow down the descent of the rocket. Or in some cases, the smaller, lighter rockets they just tumbled to the ground. We could have a lot of we had a lot of fun, you know, picking which way we wanted to descend our rockets after they had expended their um, launch, you know, their engine stuff uh, with either a parachute or crepe paper. That got kind of cool. Um, the most sophisticated rocket we ever built uh, actually had a section of the body that was uh, plastic, so it was transparent. And we would put like insects in there. Ah. One time we put a frog in there. Oh, no. You know, we were we were such scientists. All we really wanted to do was to see if they survived. <laughs> you know? ah. And they did. All of I mean, my and of course, I know my memory is probably gilded. But all of it, all of the, all of the creatures we launched into uh, Earth's atmosphere, um, all survived. Oof. One of the challenges we had was um, the place where we launched it, which was this field uh, just down the road from our house. It was on a slight slope, and so the the launch pad was was sloped as well, you know, because it was it was just laying on top of the ground or standing on top of the ground. And so it, it shot the rockets off in the direction of a swamp, in that, a wooded swamp. Some of the times, especially if we had a parachute or a streamer, our rockets would get stuck up in the trees and we, we couldn't recover them. I mean, they were, they were gone for good uh, unless the wind blew them out or something. And so we really wanted to have a level launch pad to launch these rockets straight up in the air. And, and Earl... Keeping in mind, we were in the sixth grade. Earl says, "Yeah, I know how to do that. We'll make we'll make a, a platform, a launch platform." And I said, "Well, what do we need?" He goes, "Well, we need concrete and two by fours and nails and stuff like that." And and it just so happened that down the road from us, out in the country, they were building a subdivision, and they had all these houses under construction. And so, one of the things we like to do as a side story is we like to go crawling around these these houses as they were being built, and you know, walking along the two by four platforms and and uh, gathering up the nails and, and some of the you know construction materials, scrap two-by-fours and that kind of stuff that were lying around while we were playing around these houses, uh, which, you know, to a certain extent, I look back, was kind of, you know, dangerous because, you know, we could have fallen into the basement mm-hmm. going from beam to beam, and, and maybe we'd go up on the second floor if the stairs were put in. So uh, that, that probably was uh, not the safest thing. But, but at any rate... Mm-hmm. 
That was where we could go get our two by fours and our, our, our nails. And we actually found a, a half a bag of concrete laying against the Dempsey dumpster. So we really got everything we needed, included some wire mesh material, which, you know, I was like, what do we need this for? And he goes, I'll show you, you know. So we, we went back to the field and we, we dug a little uh, hole about, you know, four or five inches deep square uh, uh, that we could then three by three foot by three foot. And then we put a two by four frame around it and made that level and then we mixed the concrete and poured it in a little bit in and then we laid the mesh material down and we poured a little more concrete in then a little more mesh and then we put the top in and Earl had this you know he had this leveling device and he just skimmed it and smooth and made it level so that our rockets you know when it dried we could use it and it would launch them straight up in the air and I, I always thought that was like so cool because what he taught me that day is something I used for the rest of my life. I mean, I haven't poured a lot of concrete. I mean, you know that, right? I mean, it's not like I do that work, but but the few times I've had to put in maybe a pad or or extend a sidewalk or something, that's what that's where I learned how to do that. So I always thought that was kind of fascinating. But at any rate, we were able to launch a rocket straight up in the air. As you might imagine, you know, we continually wanted to challenge ourselves. We decided we wanted to see how high we could launch a rocket. They had one of these rockets on sale at the mail order place that they said would go higher than all the rockets of its size. So we we mailed away for it and got it. And this rocket was called the Icarus. Uh, do you remember the story about Icarus? The uh, Greeks, I think Greek, the Greek yeah. uh, myth, myth about the boy who flew too close to the sun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is one. This, is this some for, is this some foreshadowing? <laughs> yeah, I think you could say so. Yeah, <laughs> but I won't give it away yet. So, uh, so anyway, the Icarus, you know, we we put it together, we assembled it, and, and uh, we bought the largest engine we could buy for that size rocket, and we got everything set up on launch day. We put our little fuse into the rocket engine, and I think. In, Unfortunately, due to our excitement, we jammed the fuse up a little bit too far into the engine. Mm. We lit it, and we ran away, you know, and then we waited, and the fuse burned right up into the engine, and the engine didn't launch. And uh, so now we got a problem, because we know we've got a fuse that's lit, and it's in the engine, and if we walk up to it, would it all of a sudden go off because, you know, that had happened to us with firecrackers in the past where it was like a delayed pop, you know, explosion. Mm-hmm. We just sat there and looked at it for like a half hour and, you know, just trying to debate when it was safe to go check it out. Um, so finally, after a half hour, we decided it was probably safe. So we go and we check it out and we tried to shake the burnt stub of fuse that was inside of the hole of the engine and it wouldn't come. We couldn't shake it loose. We couldn't scratch it out with our fingernails or anything. And finally, Earl said, well, maybe we need to get a jackknife out and, and just scrape the, the clay a little bit around the hole and make the hole just a little bit bigger so we can pull the fuse out. And um, so we did it, and it worked. You know, we were back in business, so we got everything put back together. Now with the hole being a little bigger, it was, it was kind of hard to get a fuse that would stay in there. But we finally got that to work, and we thought we were in business. So we lit a rocket fuse, we lit the fuse, ran to our safe spot and watched and the engine ignited and the rocket took off like normal, but it only went about 20 feet in the air and then it all of a sudden turned horizontal and then 
flames flew out both ends of the rock and and the flames out front so it, it blew it blew the nose cone and the crepe paper uh streamer out and it was just this big ball of flame and then and when and the flames died and the rocket fell to the ground but but the crepe paper the crepe paper streamer was on fire so we had to run over and stomp that out so we didn't start a grass fire and then when when that all had settled down we walked back to the rocket the rest of the rocket body and it looked like it was in pretty good shape so i reached over to pick it up and unfortunately the flames had burned it from the inside so so the body was so thin it was like tissue paper and as soon as i touched it it just crumbled and the grass was completely destroyed I think the only thing I can say that we learned a value from that experience was that Icarus probably only needed to fly about 20 feet off the earth to get too close to the sun before it crashed. <laughs> I mean, it's just one more data point, but, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was my last experience as a kid shooting model rockets because after that, that kind of took the wind out of our sails. But um, that's my story. <laughs> what do you think? Well done. How, like, how, uh, apropos, certainly, like, as you were telling me this story, I was feeling kind of guilty, like, you're talking about this passion and just this ambition, and my, like, recollection, my immediate recollection of being fifth grade, sixth grade was, like, any free time I had, I was watching TV, um, and I was like, oh, no, I've ruined my childhood, glued to the screen oh you know you know so just first thing that comes to my mind is we i watched a lot of tv as a kid i don't think you need to feel too guilty about that because you know we i will i you think about it i mean if i ordered a rocket it would take two months to get there (laughs) plenty of waiting plenty of tv time yeah you know so so don't 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 I, I understand what you're saying, but uh, but don't beat yourself too much up over that one. And in terms of comparison, comparing our uh, times, I mean, we watched Bewitched, I Dream of Genie, Dark Shadows, Alicat and Pansy was a local show. So no, 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 you're you're okay. You're good. You're good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I needed that. I needed that uh, confirmation. But I mean, it, and like uh, you're right too that I wasn't just watching TV. And like as you were talking about this, I you know I never got into model rockets um and i remember we we did that once which i'd love to come back to but uh it reminded me of the experience that i had in scouts with toy challenge do you remember me doing toy challenge yeah that was like a pretty cool experience and has some fun like space connections because the we toy challenge was this like national competition where um teams around the country would build a toy like a board game and then um, build, make a proposal, and send it in. And then you know, maybe you go to, maybe you go to nationals, maybe you go to finals, whatever. Um, and we heard about it from a like big science day at the University of Michigan, where Sally Ride, uh, the the astronaut, was promoting it. Um, and she actually signed my shirt, which was very cool. But we also got totally hooked on this idea of. Um, trying to do this competition and we it wasn't really so much a personal invention um, what we made was this this hovercraft this like paper plate hovercraft which the actual like fan that attached to the paper plate we got as a kit but our big innovation was we had these 
toys that you could put on top and then you could push the hovercraft around your kitchen floor. It was, I would say, a ton of fun. Right. Um, and do you remember making the uh, balsa wood airplane as the toy that w- went on top of that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And you know, it's funny because that balsa wood came from the model rockets that we built when we shot ours off as a family. Mm-hmm. So there's a connection. Full circle. And so we did it. We, we sent in our proposal, which I remember it was pretty uh, intense. At least, certainly it was like five to ten pages. And we talked about the science and we're talking about like the we did a little bit of the marketing. What sort of like tar- what our target target audience was. And we got accepted for the like semifinals and got uh, got to go down to Raleigh, North Carolina. It was over my birthday weekend which was also fun. I got a lot of travel pillows for my friends. <laughs> and we had our poster board all set up. And we were, as I remember, way out of our league. Like, we had our neon construction paper pasted onto our poster board. And other kids had, like, the full graduate symposium, fancy printed graphic design um, set up. <laughs> Yeah, but they, were they older kids who were like the same age you were? Or? Mm, I think everybody was would have been about the same age, but like my experience with all the like competitions that I did during that age was that like, uh, you know, and you know there are very talented kids out there, but certainly when I was a kid, I was like, oh, their parents were helping them. So, but you know, that's that is all water under the bridge, well, well under the bridge because we had a great time. And we we did not win, but we got a honorable mention in engineering, which what, honestly, actually, this back to our comparing and contrasting childhood and kids getting uh, kids these days, these millennials and their entitlements. Um, a lot of people, a lot of these teams got honorable mentions, and I kind of left being like, oh, you know, this honorable mention doesn't mean anything, which like is how I felt about all of these participation trophies that it was like, I don't, I don't need this. Everyone else is getting this. This isn't special. Like I understand, um, what goes into winning and why you get trophies. And I think also at the time, you know, there were people who were criticizing participation trophies. And so participation trophies were never fun as a kid. Cause I just felt like I was being pitied. And then on top of being pitied, I was being shamed. And so it was like, okay, well, this is fine. Um, but I did like having a huge shelf with all of my trophies at the end of the day. So uh, I, I heard over time that the participation trophies were mostly for the parents and then just and then uh, itching, itching my childhood need for just things. Right, right. So so today, where are these participation trophies? Do you know? I I assume most of them are gone. They're like well well in the landfills. Hopefully we recycled them, but um, probably in landfills. Although I did we did end up doing some fun stuff with some of those trophies. I took one of my which honestly I think the only trophies I ever did stuff with were ones where I was like actually won things. I took like one second place. Um, trophy from soccer and used it to create a like iron chef america 
um, trophy for another like scout project that we did. Oh, right. That was a ton of fun. Yeah. Put, like a little paper, paper chef hat on the soccer player and then use the like soccer ball to make a table <laughs> with a little um, clay, clay turkey on it. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, that was yeah. a ton of fun. Yeah, but I do, I do remember like we had some board games like Sorry and a couple of others, and there were like mm-hmm. medals that you you had won that were in there, and I was like, what are these medals for? And and they were for the winner, and so that was the that was so so you did find a use for the participation awards, but not necessarily yeah. uh, as a source of they weren't a source of pride. They were not a source of pride, no. Anyway, let's get back to talking about the Rockets. Because um, I, I also had a lot of um, comments. First being, what were you thinking lighting off the Rocket? More so, what was what was Papa thinking buying the fuse um, for you guys to be running away from? Like, he, he, so he, he knew that your parents knew what you were doing. Yes, they did. We it wasn't a, it wasn't a surprise. Um, they had seen us launching rockets at our cousin's house. I mean, they had they were watching too, so they knew what was happening. Um, I don't have a memory of them actually coming out and seeing our launches. So I think I think that um, that you know that they weren't watching some of that stuff. Although I don't, you know, what I told you I think is pretty accurate. So. Uh, for the most part, I just think it was a sign of the times that that was acceptable behavior. You know, it's like you're okay. You guys know what it is to be safe. Go be safe and go do it. And of course, I mean, some you know, the Icarus was a case where we probably, if a parent had been around, they wouldn't have let us do that. But, but no, they weren't. They they we had freedom. <laughs> and, and certainly, like with a lot of these stories. You were growing up in the country. I grew up in the suburbs. Like there just wasn't a lot of opportunity for me to be like way off on my own um, in like property that like in not not our own property. You're right, right, and and, and certainly, you know, you wandering around um, a house while it was under construction. I mean, there, that that <laughs> wouldn't happen anymore. You know. Um, those places have fences around them and other things and and there's laws and enough lawsuits have occurred between now and then that you know the even those construction companies you know are, keep those things much better protected than in those days so no you're right about that yeah now i i wanted to circle back too on the on our rocket experience cuz yeah. i we, you know it didn't it didn't spark my it didn't spark a passion but i do remember we did do a, a model rocket at least once um when I was growing up. So you remember. And you remember that. I remember. Yeah, because, yes. you know, I, I pushed for that. Um, and I really had two reasons uh, for doing that. One one was as my role as a parent. And the other one was my personal pride. So, you know, as a parent, I wanted to give you the experience just to see it. Maybe it would spark an interest. You know, maybe not. I don't know. But but it was, you know, there was certainly that um, motivation. But but probably, if I was to be honest with myself, I was more interested in recovering my pride as a model rocketeer because <laughs> <laughs> uh, my last launch was a explosion and complete destruction of my model rocket, and that is not a proud thing to, you know, 
own as, as part of my on. hobby. Yes. So I, I needed to go back and have one more successful launch. <laughs> and so... Get a redemption. Absolutely. A redeeming launch. And so that was point two for me, or was to have at least one redeeming launch. And you probably don't remember, but we did have an electronic uh, engine ignition kit. <laughs> I was about to ask. I was like, as you were telling, I was like, you know what? I'm pretty sure that we probably did. Because th- that's another thing that I was thinking about is that I grew up a lot like wealthier than you did. And so, like, you know, we would have just gotten the electric, um, yes. the electric launch. And also thought it might have just come with the kit. I bet we got, like, a beginner one that was like, yeah, here's, if you're going to be beginning with this, you um, need a yeah. electric thing. Do you remember? Yeah, and you're, you know, that I, that is exactly right. And the other thing was, it wasn't mail order. I just went to a hobby shop. And got the whole oh, kit. Yeah. So it had the launcher, it had the ignition kit, it had the rocket, it had the engine, it had everything all in one. So you're right, um, it was a lot more convenient and all all inclusive as opposed to, you know, what we had to do, which was to tr- kind of try to figure things out. And of course, I had my cousins that you know that cut the path before me, so I knew all that. But yeah, you're right, that that was a big difference. Um, and you know, it, it kind of highlights one other thing. You know that. You know that you didn't have the same interest in the rocketing that I did, but but um, you had mentioned to me at one point, you know, like like what was happening in in the world in terms of the space program, um, and I think that may have also had a reason why I have a had a different interest in it than than you got because during my youth, you know, we put a man on the moon. Um, you know, the Apollo programs were going on all the time. We would watch launches in our classrooms. You know, it was a big deal. We all knew when that, when that was happening and we were going to the moon and, you know, you, you didn't have that same experience. What, what do you recall? I mean, what were some of the space exploration experiences you remember when you were growing up? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was growing up during, uh, Bush Bush era, so that was like nine eleven. Also, like Challenger, the Challenger crash happened. Um, so, like space was, we were not exploring space, um, and like flying was scary. A lot of things were a lot were scary, and yeah, it, I I vaguely remember during like the second grade space unit being like, ah, oh, being an astronaut would be cool. And there's a part of me today that's like, oh man, it would be cool to go to space um but it definitely the the cultural fervor was not there when i was a kid yeah yeah i I mean we had the space station right which isn't as fascinating Mm -hmm. as going to the moon yeah so. so no that's interesting that um i don't know if you knew this or not but your great uncle my uncle worked uh, for NASA at the Johnson Space Center in Houston for his whole career. So he was deeply involved with the launches and actually got some patents as a result of that, um, of his time there That's before cool. he retired. So I don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Space, did you ever get to go go down and like see, see his work? Uh, he gave us a tour. I remember going down there in the eighth grade. And, um, and so in, he lived very close. And he took us over there and walked us around all of the public stuff and then there were a few places he could show us like his office and some other things but um that was as much that was as much as we got although he did used to send me um 
a couple times a year a whole stack full of like space exploration magazines and stuff so i was i always had pictures i could look through i mean i never read the articles because uh probably like you even though all that was going on um my interest in space was was not too deep <laughs> limited to really cool rockets yeah explosions watch things go up really in the sky really fast with fire coming out the bottom that was probably more my style <laughs> still very very fun i have a friend who's at works for lockheed martin and was um part of the like mars insight and she always is coming back with cool cool space stories where is there any do you have any other questions for me uh no i don't think so um what would you say in conclusion then in terms of comparing and contrasting on this it sounds like there was in my opinion there were more similarities between what me as a kid and you as a kid in terms of kind of higher level stuff space and science and and maybe mm, there certainly were elements of danger that that were there in my youth that maybe weren't there in yours yeah i i kind of suspect that this is going to be the case a lot uh for a lot of these stories is um you know both of us having those similar sort of like passionate project experiences and mine being in these uh, more like contained adult supervised space but that allowing me to you know go to Raleigh North Carolina and do maybe like bigger scoped things because yeah. I had the like support of the adults uh, or, like right. in right. more direct support of adults in my life yeah yeah no that yeah, let's see how that plays out over time. Um, I'm interested in um, what happens. I think um, our next one is going to be about maybe bows and arrows and and some of the uh, fun and excitement I had there. So um, I look yeah. forward to it. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's great talking with you. We'll talk to you soon. It was good talking to you too. I love you, Dad. I love you. Bye bye.